back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest is sort of kind of the host for our big tailgate tour this weekend. He has no responsibilities with us, but he is the first-year leader of the East Carolina football team. The Pirates host William & Mary. We're bringing the big tailgate tour there. It is family weekend for Pirate Nation. I happen to be a Pirate Nation family. Coach Mike Houston, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're doing well. We're looking forward to this big weekend in Greenville. I want to start on a sad note uh, and hopefully get to more fun things. But since the last time you and I talked, your father passed away. Uh, just if you could share with us, I know you did locally uh, when it happened. Uh, what role, if any, did he play in you becoming a football lifer? And uh, how do you want folks to remember your dad? Well, I don't know that uh, he necessarily wanted me to be a football coach, but, uh, you know, he was an athlete and certainly, um, you know, a, a big sports fan. And so growing up, you know, he was he was the guy that taught me how to shoot a basketball and taught me how to throw a football and used to spend countless hours, you know, with me and, 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 and playing one-on-one or whatever and, uh, and was always my biggest fan. And so he certainly had uh, – you know, an impact on me getting involved in athletics and my love for athletics. And, you know, I do think that the way he raised me is the reason that I have the work ethic that I have and that I have, you know, the way I view things and the way I conduct myself. Um, he was a great role model for me. And, uh, you know, how I would want him remembered is, you know, I, I think he is genuinely, you know, one of the purest uh, men that I've ever met, you know, as far as a good person, a strong Christian, tried to treat people right, uh, cared about uh, cared about people, and, uh, and I would want him to be remembered in that way. You and Amanda have two children of your own. We hear in college sports land how you are often asked to be a father figure. So how would you describe in a college football setting the difference between you being sort of the traditional dad to your two sons, Owen Michael and Reed Wilson, uh, versus, I don't know, do you, do you feel like you have 100-plus sons? Because I know some of them at least look at you as a father figure. Well, I, th I think you do, especially when you try to run the program the way we do. Um, you know, we, we talk about it in recruiting, and we try to back it up with the way we conduct ourselves. That You know, it's, it's very much a family atmosphere uh, within our program. We, we try to take a, a deep interest in the personal lives of our players in addition to, in addition to their development as a, as a player on the field. And, uh, you know, we care about our players. Um, you know, that, that also means, you know, there are times when, you know, I have to hold my two biological sons accountable. Yeah. Uh, and there has to be, you know, there has to be some consequences sometimes, and so we have to do that as well. Um, but we always try to remind them how much we care about them, and I always try to paint for them uh, a picture of why this is important because it, it directly impacts their future. And, you know, we want the best for all of our players, uh, and so hopefully we're doing a better job of uh, developing young men uh, that will be successful in life and successful in, soci in society uh, than we are anything else. You know, because that's that's truly if, we, if we're not doing that, then we're really missing the whole point of this profession.
ECU coach Mike Houston is joining us. He's a guy that by his third year at Division II, Lenore Ryan, he had the Bears playing in the national championship game. Second year at the Citadel, he had them in the FCS playoffs. His first year at James Madison, they won the national championship and had two very good teams after that. This is, of course, year one for coach Mike Houston with the ECU Pirates. Uh, one broad question about college football and then more to your Pirates and the challenge against William & Mary this weekend. I don't know if you saw the Tim Tebow comments on ESPN over the weekend, but he basically said that he frowns on the me culture, not just in college football, but in America, and that he as a Florida player felt that even though he was a star and even though he saw his jersey getting sold and the profits going to the university instead of him personally, that he felt it was a fair trade, that, that you know, room, board, tuition, and nowadays cost of education adjustment, uh, that was okay with him. A lot of folks have crushed Tim Tebow for his uh, vantage point there. How do you see that balance uh, between what these young men get as a part of a multi-billion dollar industry and what uh, they're giving in return? Well, I mean, I, I think it's one of those things where I kind of disagree and agree. You know, when I look at my personal story, if it weren't for college football and the opportunities that it provided me, I would not be where I am. Yeah. You know, I, I, would, I, would, I would not have made it out of Franklin, North Carolina. I would not have went to college. I would not have gotten a degree. And so my life and the, the life that my two sons have and the life that my family has is because of the opportunity that was given to me by, um, you know, playing college football and having financial assistance to do that. So I, th I think that's kind of maybe where he was coming from with some of that. Um, I do think – that we, because I mean, I see the daily, uh, you know, lives of uh, these student athletes, uh, and I'm always for anything we can do to further properly assist, um, you know, our student athletes. Uh, I do think we have to be careful because you've got to stay within the confines of a well-structured system because what will inevitably happen is if if you just you know open the floodgates people are going to abuse the system. Yeah. Uh, and the abuse is what scares you um, because, you know, the, you, 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 you may have what somebody thinks is good, but there will be so many negative consequences of it. Uh, and I think we've got to, you know, work very hard to protect uh, the student-athletes, uh, protect the integrity of the sport, um, and at the same time, I do think that we need to continue to try to find ways to further assist the student athletes because so many of them, uh, you know, they don't have time to get a part-time job. And that's what I explained to so many is, you know, what the normal student, you may have a part-time job at Chick-fil-A or at the mall yeah. or something like that, or they can work a, a spare job in the summer and make some spending money. You know, these, these guys, they train year-round, and we keep them busy. You know, so it's a full-time job being a college uh, football player. And so you have to try to find ways to allow them to, to function. Uh, so many of them don't have any kind of backing from home just because, you know, there's not a lot of resources there. And so I think any way that we can find to continue to help to assist them within the rules, such as cost of attendance uh, or things along that line, uh, where it's regulated uh, just to protect them, uh, I think is a good thing. 
Mike Houston is joining us. This will be, of course, only your second home game at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. What do you know now? Uh, you took on Gardner-Webb from the FCS ranks and really trounced him. 48-9 was the final. That was your first taste of uh, that atmosphere, at least as the home coach. Uh, what did you learn? Well, I think that, uh, you know, our, our fan base is passionate about our program. And I saw that from, you know, we got off the bus and uh, we had a, a pirate walk, which was kind of, you know, structured differently this year and a little bit new this year. And, you know, you get off the bus and there are thousands yeah. of pirate faithful two and a half hours before kickoff lining up just to encourage the players and to cheer them on as they walk to the locker room. And it was really, it was incredible. And, uh, and that carried on to pregame warm-ups, to when we took the field, uh, you know, to, to, to them during the ball game. I mean, just their, their interaction uh, during the ball game with the atmosphere is just, it's really something special, and we're fortunate to have that here. Coach, as a member of the American Athletic Conference, you have to deal with, eventually, Central Florida on the road, which is high in the national rankings. Uh, Temple at home next month, which uh, just beat Maryland, which had just destroyed Syracuse prior to that matchup. What do you make of your new neighborhood uh, given that most of those coaches have had time to build their programs and you're kind of just getting started at ECU? Well, I think we're in a conference that probably is one of the top, you know, maybe three or four conferences in the country. And I think that the, the, the play of our league, not only this year, but in past seasons, uh, backs that up. Um, you know, you look at, you know, Central Florida, yes, they're talented. They, <clears throat> they absolutely dominated uh, a very solid Stanford program this past yeah. Saturday. It was 20, 28-0, 27-0 first quarter. Mm. Um, you know, Temple, uh, not only did they beat Maryland, Maryland was putting up 50 points a game. Uh, they beat them 20-15. You know, they're not – you know, we're, they're not just knocking off, you know, lower tier teams. They're knocking off, you know, teams that are, you know, top 25 teams, some of the better, you know, teams in the country. Uh, and it's not just them. You know, you look at uh, whether it's Cincinnati or Memphis uh, or Tulane this year. Um, you know, there's there's so many different teams in this conference that are, you know, having, you know, nationally recognized seasons this year and have for several years. So. I think that, uh, you know, when I joined this league, uh, I understood that, uh, you know, I was taking a coaching job in one of the top top conferences in the country. Quick joke for you and then a serious question. An NFL coach was once asked after a game, what do you think of your team's execution? And he answered, I'm in favor of it, which I thought was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> my question to you, Coach, as you contemplate, like you told us, your guys would compete against the Wolfpack in this season's opener better than they did prior to your arrival last season. And I think, I mean, I don't know if you'd agree, but it felt like they did compete much more in that loss at uh, Carter-Finley Stadium. And then you're kind of supposed to beat Gardner-Webb, and you did so convincingly. When you think of that balance, you know, how much talent do I have, but how well are the Pirates executing? What have you seen through not only those two games, but uh, Navy does not kind of come off the bus with the overwhelming talent factor. But, man, they're really good at the execution part of that equation. Well, I think that you look at that, and certainly on the NC State game, I thought we competed better than they did a year ago. Um, 
I think the game could have been a lot closer. You know, certainly we made we had the turnover there uh, in the red zone going into the end zone on the first drive, and you know took points off the board, and uh, you know had a penalty that called back a, a 90-yard kickoff return, which you know would have most likely put points on the board. We have we would have first and goal at the one. Um, you know, we didn't didn't jump on a fumble when NC State made a miscue going into the end zone, and so you know they got a score there. So I think if we made some plays, it could have been the score could have been a lot closer and more reflective of how we played. But I thought they competed. Um, it was great to get the win against Gardner Webb and to and to play better in week two. Um, I think Navy's better than anybody thinks they're going to be this year. Okay. Uh, I was really impressed with their team speed. Uh, which is um, you know not something that they've had every year. Uh, they're a veteran group, and I'll tell you that quarterback is special. Yeah. Uh, certainly, they you know they hit us right between the eyes, and we didn't respond really well. But uh, you know it's that is it is what it is, and it's the next step in the process. And uh, I did think that we had some guys that really fought on Saturday, and you know really you know played with some physicality, and we've got to take the good. And build on it, and take the bad, and correct it, and uh, and, and eliminate it, and continue to bring our team along. And uh, you know, every single day we've got to get better, and that's uh, that's important in every program, but especially with uh, the relative youth of our roster, uh, we've got to develop fundamentally every single day and push ourselves to get better every single day. Last thing for you, Coach. We are a pirate family here in the Glenn household. Uh, my son Anthony's a junior. He describes the energy that has surrounded your arrival there. Is something like family weekend, or of course all college football teams will have a homecoming on a different weekend, does that impact you and the players? Are you guys tunnel vision, or on a family weekend would you know those guys also look forward to a different kind of weekend beyond the football game itself against William & Mary? I think yes on all accounts. Okay. I mean, I think we, we have to be tunnel vision with our focus and our preparation. Uh, at the same time, uh, there will be a noticeable different energy around the stadium on game day. Uh, you know, there's going to be more families in town. Uh, you know, it's going to be more of a, you know, uh, dynamic atmosphere uh, than the first game was. And the first game was great. Uh, so I think that uh, I think yes, they'll see a difference this weekend, and they'll be charged off of that. And at the same time, they've got to stay focused on doing their job. We've had this thing called the Big Tailgate Tour for six years now. We have always made ECU a part of it. So we look forward to bringing our circus and carnival to your uh, surroundings around Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. There. Thank you for the time once again on the David Glenn Show, and good luck on Saturday evening against William and Mary. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate you guys making us a part of it and look forward to having you here on Saturday. Thank you, Go Coach. Pirates. You got it. Mike Houston, successful everywhere he has gone as a head coach. And when he was talking about his playing days, by the way, and the importance of football in his life, he got a chance to play at Mars Hill, which is here in North Carolina, for those who don't know. He played tight end there. And as he said, he might not have been a college guy at all growing up in small town North Carolina. He got that opportunity at Mars Hill, which is not, you know, the top level of football, et cetera. They play at Division Two, but he was a mountain lion. So I'm going to have to make sure I get to the mountains versus beach philosophical question that all of us have eternally. Because at this point, Coach Houston, remember, grew up in the western part of the state, played in the western part of the state, coached in the western part of the state, 
but also has been uh, at places like the Citadel or ECU or heck even James Madison is not far from the Atlantic Ocean. So uh, beautifully positioned there in eastern North Carolina. Uh, the, the whole Glenn family is headed to Greenville. So we're going to bring the big tailgate tour where we stop somewhere in North Carolina virtually every weekend during college football season. But uh, this is a family affair for us. So I don't usually get to bring the lovely and talented Maria on a big tailgate tour stop. She will be in Greenville. Uh, obviously, Anthony is there as a student all the time, and I believe my daughter may be accompanying us as well. She is uh, unable to play for her soccer team, which allows her to do a little bit more travel of a different sort. We'll get back to your phone calls on the other side, 1-800-849-2761. We'll get you caught up on some headlines of the day. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. The head devil, David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody at another program mad or angry, but you guys are very fair to everybody. The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Appreciate Mike Houston of ECU for dropping by. Of course, Eli Drinkwitzel of App State will be with us heading into next weekend's trip to Boone. Don't forget, you can win four free Continental tires and register for that just by visiting BigTailgateTour.com. Our one and only trip to Greenville this weekend. Can't win Tailgate of the Year unless you win Tailgate of the Week, so tell us where you'll be near Dowdy Ficklin this Saturday. And then our one and only trip on our 2019 schedule to Boone comes the following weekend, also a family weekend. Let us know where you'll be by dropping us an email or by filling out a quick form at BigTailgateTour.com. I know a lot of people want to win the prestigious Tailgate of the Year honor. There are only five such flags flying across the great state of North Carolina from previous years. You could be next. Tailgate of the Week can lead to Tailgate of the Year, 1-800-849-2761. Todd and Kinston wants in on one of the only non-football topics we have mentioned today. Kobe Bryant was at the World Cup of Basketball this past weekend. He originally was scheduled to be there in part to watch his fellow Americans play. He was there in the semifinals saying, like, where are we? Well, Team USA was playing for seventh place. It is the worst finish at a major international event in the roughly 30 years that our country has been using NBA players. Kobe said, among other things, the world caught up. The world has been caught up to us in basketball for a long time. And he added, it's to the point where we're just going to win some and lose some. Is Kobe right? As we come back to your calls on a variety of things, Cam Newton's foot injury, Eli Manning giving way to Daniel Jones with the New York Giants, Reggie Bush's first return in almost a decade to his alma mater, Southern Cal, Notre Dame against Georgia, and other college football games. Todd and Kinston may share my thoughts, which start with Kobe has a point in there somewhere. But, man, my bottom line is way different than Kobe Bryant's bottom line. And I would like to talk with Kobe before he truly signs off on, oh, the world's caught up for a while and uh, we're going to win some and lose some. I'm not ready to give in that much as a proud American. And I'm not even wearing the red, white, and blue. Todd, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, Dave. Good to talk to you, you again. Too. I just had one quick comment before I get into the Kobe situation. Yeah. Uh, Cam's got a lot of stuff to rehab. I think his wardrobe is up there as well. <laughs> uh, all right, well, now into the Kobe yes. situation. 
I mean, I think Kobe's right to a certain degree. I mean, I think if we're sending tier B and C players, then yeah, yeah the world's caught up. But if we can get, you know, our, our, you know, our big guns to agree that this is important to them and go, I think we would dominate again like we have in the past. I totally agree. I mean, I can't believe that Kobe, one of the ultimate competitors, said what he said. Here's the reality, folks. The NBA is the greatest basketball league in the world. We all know that. There's the occasional player based in another country who chooses to stay home for personal reasons, whatever, family, language barrier, something else. But the overwhelming majority of players on planet Earth who want to reach the pinnacle of professional basketball, they come to the United States. And even though it has become a more international game, I looked up the numbers from last year. Do you know what percentage of Americans still make up NBA rosters? All right, I said that backwards. What percentage of NBA rosters consist of Americans compared to the rest of the world? That's what I was trying to say. Thank you for translating across North Carolina. English is my first language, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the number is 75%. So the best in the world, and this is a meritocracy, right? They're not doing you any favors. Yeah, let's make sure there's a guy from Greece somewhere at the end of our bench. No, it, you, you earn your way onto these NBA rosters. So if... 75% of the best players in the world are from our country. And all the other countries combined make up the other 25%. It ain't the rest of the world caught up with us a while ago, and it ain't we're going to win some and we're going to lose some. When you look at the top-tier players, the overwhelming majority are from the United States of America. First-team All-NBA last year. James Harden, Steph Curry, and Paul George are all from what country? That would be the United States of America. Now, all three of them said no to representing the United States at the World Cup. Giannis Antetokounmpo is from Greece. Do you know what he said to his native country? Yes, I'll play. Jos Nikola Jokic of the Nuggets is from Serbia, I think. Do you know what he said when he was asked to play? Yes. All right, so the five guys who are the best players in the best league in the world, three are Americans, and they all said no. Two are foreigners, and they both said yes. Like, this is not a talent issue. This is not a depth issue, Kobe. This is not the – the world hasn't caught up. The world has caught up when we look at a 15-man All-NBA team and seven or eight of them are from the world. That's, that's the world versus the U.S. When an individual country has a whole bunch of dudes on the All-NBA team or in the All-Star game or whatever, then somebody will have caught up. We're not even close to the rest of the world catching up. In fact, the further down the list you go, I mean, KD was hurt, so he couldn't play. But Damian Lillard said no. And Kawhi Leonard said no. And Kyrie Irving said no. They're all Americans. They said no. Russell Westbrook said no. Blake Griffin said no. LeBron James said no. Kemba Walker said yes. One guy out of the 11 Americans who were all NBA said yes. Rudy Gobert was all NBA from the Utah Jazz. He's from France. Do you know what he said? Yes. When you look around the world, do you know what the largest number of players you can find from another single country on all NBA rosters? Remember, 75% of NBA players are from the United States of America. The next highest team or the next highest country last year on opening night. I just looked at last year because we're not quite at the 2019-2020 season yet. Canada had 11 players. Is Canada breathing down our neck as an international basketball superpower? Seriously? They had 11 NBA players. 
We have lots of NBA players, including NBA All-Stars. Australia has nine guys. France has nine. Spain just won the World Cup. They had seven, seven players on opening night NBA rosters last year. Now, some of them are really good. Mark Gasol, Ricky Rubio, etc. But are those two even the creme de la creme? That's a French phrase, not Spanish. I knew that. But are they the la creme de la creme of the, the NBA? No, they're not. They're really good NBA players. La creme de la creme is saying no thank you to representing our country in international competition. I can't believe that the ultimate competitor, Kobe Bryant, said those things. If you want to reword it and say they're narrowing the gap little by little, I'm okay with that. They're narrowing the gap little by little. And Kobe said something like, we're never going to see something exactly like what we had with the dream teams of the 1990s. All right, I'm on board for that. We're never again going to see the Grand Canyon-sized gap between us and everybody else if you compare it to the dream teams of the 1990s. All right, I'm okay. I, Kobe can get me to sign off on that comment. But the world's been caught up for a long time, and it's to the point where we're going to win some and lose some. No way Jose it's not that close when our guys are saying yes and with the Olympics next year it is true for whatever reason the NBA guys in large numbers view the World Cup as like what's that I thought the World Cup was soccer and the Olympics is really the be-all end-all of basketball isn't it other than chasing NBA titles and the answer is yes in basketball the Olympics is the highest prestige highest profile international event more guys will say yes. If the Americans' A team says yes, the Americans win gold time after time after time. Kobe made some good points when he said, you know what, the gap is narrowing some, and even when we won gold under Coach K, there was a team from Spain that gave us fits all the way into the fourth quarter. That's fair. The Americans' A team might not win a gold cup goal a World Cup gold every four years and an Olympic gold every four years in perpetuity. No, it, yeah, the gap is narrowing enough that the very best teams from Spain or France or wherever, Australia, Serbia, there's some other good international teams out there, they have a shot at us. But we are on a pedestal by ourselves way above everybody else when our best players say yes. Mike Krzyzewski had to fix something with, that was broken years ago because so many top Americans were saying no. He fixed that problem. What was his record? 75-1 and one after he fixed that problem. 75-1 and one is the standard. Yes, you're vulnerable to be beaten from time to time, but you should win more golds than falling short of golds. You should win more World Cups than falling short of World Cups, and you should never finish in seventh place. That might happen... 50 years from now or 100 years from now, but it does not apply in 2019, and that's where I think Kobe Bryant's remarks were way, way off the mark. 1-800-849-2761. Ryan McGee of ESPN covers college football and motorsports, among other things. Also has a cool podcast with Marty, with, uh, Marty Smith. They call it Marty and McGee, ESPN Radio, SEC Network, and otherwise. We'll talk a combination of life, football, motorsports, and other things with Ryan McGee next on The David Glenn Show. 
I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance. And I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances. And I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon. Back to the David Glenn Show. Our next guest probably has never spent $20 for a cup of lemonade. You saw that college football headline earlier this week. Yeah, there's a four-year-old whose dad is a Florida State fan, and they actually set up a lemonade stand and charged 20 bucks a cup to try to raise money for Willie Taggart's buyout. There are some big games on the weekend that awaits us, including Notre Dame at number three, Georgia, and Michigan at Wisconsin. All of those are undefeated and ranked among the top dozen or so teams in the country. We can glance back. We can look forward. He is also an expert on motorsports and other things. Ryan McGee, ESPN senior writer from the Marty and McGee show and podcast as well, SEC Network, ESPN Radio, and otherwise. Ryan, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm, uh, I'm worn out, DG. I, uh, uh, you're talking about those big games this weekend. It, Utah is now in the top ten and undefeated. Yeah. And uh, they'll travel to USC, and uh, which, you know, whether USC is struggling or not, they're still the, 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 the standard bearer for the Pac-12, the measuring stick. And so – but I flew out to Salt Lake City from Charlotte Monday morning, and I took the ride out back last night. And the good news is is that I had a lovely trip to Salt Lake City. The bad news is I used to be able to handle these uh, red eyes, and um, I don't handle them that well anymore. I'm well, old. Any zombie-like statements that you give us today, yeah. we, will t- we will just credit directly to the fact that you're getting old. I don't even have the travel excuse, and I've already had – a few malaprops today. Uh, Ryan McGee is joining us on the David Glenn Show. He's on Twitter at ESPN McGee. We don't typically ask you travel-related questions, but you and Marty Smith did finally, after several unsuccessful attempts to observe a college football game while traveling above in a blimp, there was a successful blimp cast uh, since the last time we spoke with you, how did it go, and uh, what can you share? I can share that it is it's an incredible experience because, we listen, we're all on airplanes all the time. I was on one this morning, and you're constantly looking down at cities and airports and stadiums or whatever else, but you're flying 500, 600 miles an hour. Uh, in the blimp, you're doing 20. Ooh. And so it's you're just kind of, you know, we were doing laps, uh, we joked, you know, a couple of NASCAR guys, and we literally were taking left-hand turn laps all night long for seven hours in that one DG. And we were going over Churchill Downs, and then we'd go over the Louisville Stadium, and it was like, you know, it was Big Ben Parliament. Hey, it's Churchill Downs! You know, it was, hey, it's Churchill Downs! But it was great. And it was what was amazing was we could hear the game. Like, I, there was one window open just to, for ventilation purposes. And so you could hear the band. You could hear the fireworks. You could hear the crowd. We were only like fifteen hundred, two thousand feet above it, so it was it was amazing. But uh, I have a friend who was in the astronaut program at NASA, and what he told me was, eventually, what you learn is all anyone wants to know is how do you go to the bathroom in space. <laughs> and when you talk to classes, and that's what the, the number one question. We actually received an email the week before the Louisville Notre Dame game saying, uh, you know, this is the the subject line was number two. And these, this is what you need to do during the day because uh, you can go to the bathroom in the blimp. You can only do one thing, not two things. 
Funny. I don't know how many people caught Ryan McGee's vacation reference there, but for the record, I stood in London this summer with my family near Big Ben, which, yep. is, which has been under construction for three years, and a lot of tourists complain about the lack of the photo op because it's behind all this scaffolding, et cetera. And I decided I was going to stand there until somebody said – the vacation joke, hey, there's Big Ben. Hey, there's Big Ben. Hey, there's Big Ben. And finally, somebody did it, and it was yep. not even an American. So it's not only Ryan McGee and I. Big Ben, Parliament. There's uh, Big Ben. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a, an amazing line. From, in fact, right there in Raleigh, I had an incredibly awkward situation. My family, we'd just come back from Europe. We decided we we're going to go to the theater, and my brother and I were sitting next to my mother uh, during uh, what I would say maybe our first semi-adult scene in a movie. And uh, we got up and left. So that's my that's my European vacation memory for it. Over there at the Cardinal Theater. Your colleague at ESPN, Tim Tebow, created uh, quite the kerfluffle this weekend with his <laughs> comments about college athletes. Uh, I'm paraphrasing what Tim said. You know that it, this in even more great detail. But he says basically, among other things, people are more passionate about college sports than the NFL because it's about your team, your university, your family, your alumni. And with this whole asking for stuff, name, image, likeness, you're taking that part of college sports away just so young kids can earn a dollar. Uh, he got a lot of pushback on that. Mike Houston of ECU said he partially agreed with Tebow but partially disagreed with Tebow. Where do you stand on that, given that this is a multi-billion dollar industry, uh, but you do have some guys like Tim Tebow saying, uh, and even Mike Houston said, I got more, way more in value than room, board, and tuition. He got a livelihood out of yeah. playing at playing college football at Mars Hill, but uh, this is not a one-size-fits-all equation. Well, and, and I, full disclosure, I was there. Uh, Tim went out on the set. You know, this was you know, we're we're set up for SEC Network and SEC Nation in Lexington, Kentucky, and I was on the bus. I just got into town and sat there and watched Tim say what he said on first take, and then he came on the bus. And, uh, and then watching him the rest of the day react to people's reaction because he was quite, I mean, he was honestly taken aback by it. And I, and I think that he believed that more people would feel the same way he did. The, the, um, the privileged white guy thing, I think, is what cut him to his heart a little bit because it's not true. If you know Tim, you know that's not how he rolls. Um, that being said, I mean, he's on his private jet right now. And right. So he, he definitely lives in a world that a lot of us don't. But he worked very hard to get there. So I, I got where he was coming from to a point. I always go back to when I was a student at Tennessee, and I'll date myself, but it's a relevant point. I went to college with Heath Shuler, um, you know, former you know, congressman from North Carolina. And, and we were walking through the bookstore, a group of us, and the bookstore at Tennessee was covered up with number 21 jerseys. And that was Shuler's number. And for folks that only think of him as an NFL bust, the reality was he almost won the Heisman Trophy. And he and Charlie Ward were the two biggest stars in college football in the early 90s. And, you know, we asked him, does that bother you? And he said, yeah, it bothers me, but we're also on our way to live in – we're on our way to walk across campus to a dorm that no one else gets to live in. And we're going to eat steak and lobster tonight while the rest of the student body is eating hot dogs in the cafeteria. And he goes, and I'm not having to pay for college. And so I think that that's the part that Tim – was trying to explain, which is there are so many benefits. And, you know, the reality is there's only a handful of players in college football who would even benefit from this. 
And certainly Tim Tebow would have. At one point, I think his last year of college, his jersey was only outsold by, like, Kobe when it came to right. jersey sold. And so there's only always only going to be a small handful of athletes who can even profit from this. And uh, and so I get where his passion comes from, uh, I, and I get where people, why people reacted the way they reacted. But the reality is it is a really, really complicated math problem and what I always go back to is no one had it no one talked about this that much when the coaches were making a half a million dollars a year now they're making 10 million dollars a year and and I think it's hard for these kids even though they love their coach it's hard for them to uh to be told you can't do this when they go back to their dorm or their apartment and they turn on the television every single commercial break in Tuscaloosa and Birmingham is Nick Saban selling cars and selling insurance and selling bank accounts and all that. And that's that's where the rub comes. Ryan McGee is joining us on Twitter at ESPN McGee. The highlight game of the weekend to come is undefeated Notre Dame at undefeated Georgia. They're both ranked in the top seven national TV game on Saturday night. I know two years ago this was a nail-biter in South Bend. It feels like Kirby Smart has advanced Georgia since then. Uh, so that the gap would be a little bit bigger. The Bulldogs won by one two years ago at South Bend. Uh, what do you make of this matchup, given that I believe, along with LSU against Texas, this is the only top 10 versus top 10 match that we've had so far this season, right? Yeah, and kudos to both of those schools for, for, uh, for booking those. Mark Schleyball, my coworker, who lives right there in Athens, you know, is a Georgia yeah. guy. He, he tweeted, I think it was last night or this morning, and, and he said it's the first time a non-conference top ten opponent has come into uh, Athens since I think Georgia Tech when Bobby Dodd was there. I think you're right. I read yeah, that. So, I mean, so it, it's crazy. So I'm, I'm glad to see, you know, people say we don't want to playoff, but it's kind of forcing schools to schedule these. And I'm a big home-and-home home guy. The neutral game sites are great. But, but I, I'll say this about Notre Dame. I think people in our part of the country, in the southeast, I think we have a tendency, and I guess everybody in the country does, we have a tendency to roll our eyes at Notre Dame because of the way they got pounded in the national championship game by Alabama years ago. And then also, by the way, they, they got rolled by Clemson in the playoff uh, you know, earlier this year. But – they certainly weren't beaten as bad as Alabama was by that same Clemson yeah. team a week and a half later. And uh, and this is not even in the same universe, this team, to the team that lost to Alabama in the National Championship game. You know, it's a team I covered a couple times last year, and I was stunned at how much bigger and stronger and faster and deeper they are. And, and what they've never had, and they haven't had, I would argue, since Tony Rice behind center, is an X-factor quarterback. And Ian Book is one of those guys. Ian Book is one of those guys that, could take a game over at any minute. And he's not – I'm not saying he's Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying he's two of any of those guys. But I'm saying he has the ability to change the game. It certainly makes you have to account for him. And that's what Kirby Smart has said. And Notre Dame's never really had a guy like that. And you saw the difference in that team. I think it was at Wake Forest last year when Book took over. And so that team rolled all the way to the playoff right after that. So they're, they're better than people think. Um, and they're deeper than people think. Are they as good as Georgia? No. But, uh, but but can they can they compete for four quarters with Georgia? There's no question in my mind. Darren and I were at that game at Wake last year, and it did uh, flick a switch for the fighting, the fighting Irish at the expense of the Demon Deacons. Last thing for you, I believe that the timing of your weekly bottom 10 college football rankings 
means that they are not yet public available, publicly available. So we don't want you to tilt all of your cards. But can we assume that there would be a significant ACC presence given that, let's see, Clemson's still number one. UVA and Wake are both 3-0. and But there aren't a lot of other uh, teams beating their chests in that league right now. No, no one is. And, um, and I will say this, that after week one, I put most of the SEC in the coveted fifth spot. So everyone knows that's not the fifth worst team in the country. Right. But it is a team that should be much better than it is and had a bad weekend. And the entire, most of the SEC deserve to have that spot after week one. And my friends in the ACC here in Charlotte where I live and my family down east and all that really enjoyed that, that the SEC was in there. And I just, just spoiler alert, uh, when the bottom ten drops on ESPN.com on Wednesday, I suspect to receive the same calls of the <laughs> from my SEC fans because it might feel very familiar. Listen, we, we should have known it was going to be like that yeah. when we had the conference game that wasn't a conference game that didn't actually end the way it should have ended, and that set the tone for the rest of the weekend. His name is Ryan McGee. His email – no, I'm just kidding. You can you can bother him and harass him tomorrow after his weekly bottom 10 college football rankings drop. Uh, we're about to give away tickets to the Bank of America Roval event uh, Sunday, September 29th. You are still a NASCAR guy, of course, one of distinction, and we are in the playoffs. That That race actually will be a cut race if I remember correctly, about 30 seconds, what would folks have to look forward to if they are tick, w- ticket winners here on the David Glenn Show? Easily one of the most entertaining races of 2018. Um, and Marty Smith and I will both be there. We, uh, we were fortunate enough this year. We had kind of a, a Bank of America 500 experience was part of the Jimmy V Foundation uh, uh, auction for the Estes. And so uh, we got a couple coming into town, and Marty and I are going to show them around, cool. and we won't actually be working. I don't have to write after. Even better. I might actually have a cold beer with these people. Nice. I know Marty will. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, it, it is hard to describe what the Roval is, but I can just tell you that it is, uh, it's a road course oval hybrid, and it gave us the best finish of 2018, and there's no reason to think we won't have that again this year. Awesome. Get some rest and keep up the good work. Thank you, bud. You got it. Ryan McGee on Twitter, at ESPN McGee. Marty and McGee, podcast, radio show, SEC Network, ESPN Radio. He is the senior writer for the worldwide leader, Ryan McGee. We will give away those NASCAR tickets. We have Hurricanes tickets to give away as well. You've gobbled up all of our September Panthers tickets, but we'll have more of those next month, hopefully for relevant home games at Bank of America Stadium. More of those football headlines with more of your calls and those free tickets still to come on the David Glenn Show. I would never be so competitive, so childish, that I would actually keep track of my record as a coach in youth soccer. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So when I think about my 78 wins, two losses, and four (laughs) ties, not that I was keeping track or anything. Stay with us on the David Glenn Show. All right, Cam Newton is day-to-day for the trip to Arizona this weekend. Kobe Bryant, Tim Tebow, Reggie Bush. Reggie gets to go back to Southern Cal for the first time in almost a decade. How's he pulling that off? We also have some NFL true and false for you. College football as well. 1-800-849-2761 is also a number that can help you win NASCAR tickets. Next on the David Glenn Show. 
Christian Leitner, thanks for joining us. It's been less than a week since the I Hate Christian Leitner 30 for 30. The final product of the movie was absolutely awesome. I love every second of it. Maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everyone else is seeing, but I thought the movie was awesome and I loved it. Keep it here on The David Glenn Show.